Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, your client loaned $100,000 to a former business partner to use to flip properties, but the former partner used the money to pay off his own personal debts. Yeah, Dennis, the challenge here was that the defendant claimed to not have any money. Even his own lawyer claimed the defendant wasn't paying him. So how did you resolve it? Well, we put his money where his mouth was, asking, why don't you just agree to stipulate to a judgment that would save our client and his tens of thousands of dollars pursuing this matter in court. Now my client has a judgment as though he had gone to trial and won. Well, that's another real success. Folks, I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. This is the Brock Lurie Podcast. With me, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Uh, we live in a time now where bizarre things are happening in the Middle East. And, you know, I, I must say at some point with um, at least the recent Paris attacks and the San Bernardino, uh, Bernardino attacks that, as tragic as they are and such, there's, there's this sense of, like, these guys are just screwing us, that they're they're shaming us. They're, they're making fools of us. And they managed to, uh, I, you know, I think of them watching the news play out uh, on their cable news network that they have in their respective countries, or for that matter, right here in, in the United States. And they see us kind of running all around like chickens with our heads cut off. And, and they must be rolling around in laughter. Um, or at the very least, very pleased to see all the commotion that they're making. You know, this is, by the way, this is what arsonists do. You know, an arsonist is really a terrorist when you think about it, right? The idea is to, um, because of your one simple action in in the example I just gave, lighting a match and setting something on fire and then maybe a huge forest fire, a lot of things happen. People have to run out of their homes. Uh, people may die. People, you know, will lose their houses. A lot know. of plans get modified on the spur of the moment just because of you. Right. Right. And then there's uh, cameramen, and the, the, you know, everything changes, and the news cycle changes because of you. Right. This is very exciting to them. Okay. And this is what's happening with the these monsters called ISIS and terrorists who are homegrown or otherwise or radicalized, self-radicalized, as it were, uh, in America, they, they get a, a real high, a real thrill out of all this, a thrill up their leg, as it were, to quote, quote uh, Ms. Chris Matthews. Um, and there's this sense of, I don't know about you, like, I'm, I'm really kind of ashamed of the way that we're responding. Like, we're all at Twitter. Like, we're always so surprised that this horrific thing happens. And, I, and, and we should be angry, of course. But our response immediately, the first thing is, oh, let's make sure not to, um, not to go into a hate spiral against the Muslims. You know, as if that's really been an issue ever, right? As if there's been this lash, what did they call it, uh, lashback? A backlash. 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 There you go. A backlash. Yeah. It's, it's as if against the Muslim community. As if that's our automatic first response to anything. Right. As Forest if fire. It, where's the Muslim who did this? Uh, right. <laughs> uh, someone right. stubbed there too. Where? Darn Muslims. Yeah. <laughs> bank, there's a bank robbery. Oh, it must yeah. be a Muslim. Right. Yeah. No. And, and as if there's ever been an attack upon Muslims, you know, uh, like uh, you know, they, they they want to make it seem as if it's Kristallnacht, you know, uh, where where uh, you know this irrational fear of Jews and we're going to kill those Jews and such. Well. It ain't like that, is it? Uh, you, you can't even point to one example. And they, they would love that example, just like, they, you know, the unicorn of the Christian terrorists. They, they would love that, too, right? But there, ain't, there just ain't. And uh, I find it fascinating and, and also very disturbing how this is the first reaction that we have whenever something har- horrible like this happens and that it's found out to be that it's a Muslim fanatical attack. Okay. But in, in a sense, I feel ashamed of the way we're responding. Instead of saying we're going to fight back, it's it's a little bit like the the bully who 
you know, slaps around a, a smaller kid, and he doesn't do anything. And he says, you know, would you please quit it? Uh, I don't like this. I'm going to appeal to the, to the principal's office. And you just think, no, you, you need to fight back and, and stop being a mama's boy and stop crying and just attack, right? Just, just pulverize this bully and get him down on the ground and say, we, I ain't taking that crap no more. I would say some other word. But we don't do that. We, we are the equivalent of, of going to the UN. You know, let's, let's appeal to our better sense and, and understand that climate change is the real problem here and trying to understand the bully, right? That's, that's what this is all about. We're understanding the bully. Um, and it's not about fighting the bully ever, not with this president at least. So he brings great shame upon us. I think he brings great shame in the same way that that victim who's a bully, I, I am, I'm angry with him. I, I feel shame for him. And contempt for him. Contempt, that's a better word. I feel contempt for him for not fighting back. And and the worst part about the feeling the the victim of bullying gives us, the observer, by acting that way, is he makes us say to ourselves, man, his actions make him deserve it. Yeah. You know, he deserves more bullying because he's not standing up for himself, because he's proving he has no dignity. Right. I remember when I was in high school, there was, uh, I, I went to a, a high school in Germany. It was an American high school in Germany. And most of the other kids were diplomats, uh, or rather kids of diplomats. And uh, maybe about 30% of the students were actually American. Another big chunk were Canadian. There were many Israelis, I was ha- I'm happy to report. Um, and about a good 40% were smattering from many different countries. And from Europe and from um, Northern Africa, uh, a lot from Northern Africa. And I remember this one Somalian kid. Um, he was uh, there, and, and there was a Dutch kid as well. And this Dutch kid, he was my friend. Uh, very, very big guy. Tall. I think he was already 6'3 by the time that he was a senior in high school. And this little, a relatively scrawny Somalian kid was bullying him all the time. And this Dutch guy kept on saying, with his, you know, that Dutch accent that they have, oh, man, I'm going to really pop you one, one of these days when you, you better cut it out. You better cut it out. And this guy kept on picking it, like flicking his ears, you know, just kind of taunting him a little bit. And I was right there, and I, I would say, Ron, punch him. Push him really hard. Make him, you know, fly to the floor. You've got the, the weight to do it, and you can do it. Do it now. And I said it in front of the kid in front of the bully, and he wouldn't do it. And I was so angry with Ron. He was my friend. I, I, I didn't like being with him. I didn't like being associated with him because I considered him a coward, and I didn't want to be a friend with a coward. And, and I, you know, he didn't say, I'm going to tell the principal, so that was good. But he didn't take a stand. And I said, Ron, until the day that you punch this kid, and here's your opportunity, you will never be a man. Punch him. Push him at the very least. And, you know, he never became a man. I, I followed up with him a couple of times later on, and he, he always had some sort of small clerical job and, you know, was always worried about being fired. And he, he always had trouble with girls. Um, he, he always kind of looked behind himself, and it was, he was afraid of his own shadow George all of his McFly. life. George McFly. Yeah, it was George, George McFly. McFly. Yeah, he had the opportunity to become the, the good George McFly. I mean, the, the, the Marty McFly, you know, and then whatever. The later George on. McFly after beating up. Right, uh, yeah, after beating up. Exactly. You know, thank you for such a, such a great example. Because, you know, people talk about nature and nurture, but you know what? In this part of life, it's nurture. If you take the, the, the moment to, to fight back, it shapes you. Because you see the consequences of fighting back, the good consequences. I will give you an example of my own, of my own life. It's, it's so identical. This is the one thing that you can guarantee uh, your son, especially your son. Um, if you put, punch a bully once, they'll never touch you again. This is a guarantee. Okay? And uh, I remember this uh, as, a, as a little boy. I went to swim team. And let me tell you a little story about it. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you this story before. I, I went to swim team for two or three years when I was uh, eight, starting when I was eight years old, ending when I was ten years old, I think. And my my parents thought it would be good for me for you know getting in shape and all that good stuff. What they didn't know and what they I never told them 
was how I was bullied the first year. Um, and it was really, really tough. And I don't know what it was. I just never told them about it. And I was always, I always try to find an excuse, Mom, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And it was a long drive. And, you know, as I went there, I got more and more terrified of, of getting there. And then when swim team was over and I was finally picked up, I, it was such a relief until the next three days that I was going to have to be there. So that's how I judge time. <laughs> you understand? Like, okay, it was worse and worse and up till the moment of the swim team and then then after, and so on. And one day, uh, I think this was about, I don't know, nine months into my, my experience in the swim team, they had these lines where you have to kind of, you know, line up to, to, the, to the diving podium, and then the coach would say, go, and we'd all go, and, and we'd do these long lines, and you'd swim back and forth, swim back. It's classic swim team stuff. It was all boys. And I was in my line, and I, there was a bully in front of me, a bully behind me, a bully to my right, and my bully to my left, north, east, west, and south, right? And they were just, like, doing little things. Ah, you know, because they, they could do this to me because I was a lot younger than them. Most of them were 10 years old. I was 8, so there was a huge difference in size. And not that I was a small kid, but I was certainly was not. I was just average. So I was smaller than them. And they would do little things, and I couldn't speak English very well because I was still kind of getting out of this doldrums of switching languages. And... They kept on picking at me, kept on picking at me, and it was torture. And already something in me snapped, and I just chose one of them, and happened to be the biggest one. It just, it just went, I, the guy on the north of me. And I just started wailing my fists on his chest. And I went really, really hard, and he was so surprised, he actually slipped, and he fell on, fell on his ass. And suddenly um, I just started wailing on top of him and the coach had to break, me up, break it up. And you know what? The coach looked at it and he smiled. He was happy that I'd done that. He respected me and he pulled me off. But he let me continue fighting <laughs> until it was an appropriate amount of time that I really solidified my punches. That's when he pulled me off. And, I, and they never touched me again. None of them. In fact, they all wanted to be my friend. And I never forgot that. It changed me. That moment changed me. That's right. And I, I've said it to other people, do this and you'll be free. That is the most important story of your life. Yep. What you just said. Yeah. That is had, I, had I and, not done you that. See, you see, and this is the lesson. They want to be your friends after right. you do it. They think you're cool. They now ha think you are alpha enough to have earned respect. That's right. They respect me at this point. Yeah. This is, you know, a lot of women don't understand this, and that's okay. It's a, they, they've got a different thing going on. But if you're a mother, you, you encourage your boy to fight back. Don't tell him, go tell the teacher. You tell your boy, just land a good fist in, in that bully's face or in his chest, a really hard one, or push him really hard, and don't worry about him being sent to the principal's office. It will change your boy forever in the best way possible. He will become a man that day. Okay? Just and he'll be a man forever. And there's two possibilities that have to be spoken of really fast in this situation. Yeah, please. Number one, it would happen to you whether by fluke or otherwise, you won the fight. Yes. If you win the fight, they'll be your friends. Right. They'll want to be, and it'll be your choice whether or not to accept or reject That them. is right. If you don't win the fight, you may or may not get your ass kicked. Excuse my French for this podcast. But it doesn't matter. They will never bully you again because they'll know you will fight back. That's right. You are tough enough to react. Thus, you are not, they'll find another. Because the way aggression works in foreign policy or this personal matter is bullies are always looking for the path of least resistance and the softest target. They will now go, well, I don't like him. He didn't win, but he's not a soft target. Right. Pick someone else. That's exactly right. It's very similar very similar, if you like, to going down, uh, you know, I hate it to, to think about it, but a burglar going down uh, a row of houses, and he knows that uh, one house has a gun in it. One, you know, one, one guy is a tough guy, and he doesn't take no crap from nobody. And, you, you, you know, the burglar thinks, yeah, he could probably overpower him because he's, you know, 70 years old and, and, and the burglar is 30 years old. Uh, but you know what? Why take the chance? He'd rather go with somebody that he knows doesn't have a gun, for one thing, and won't put up a fight whatsoever. 
That's the way it That's is in exactly life. Exactly. Yeah. It. Exactly. Yeah. And so, if you because all you have to do is ask yourself, if I was that guy, what would I do? Yeah. Right. If I'm a criminal and I see a house with an American flag, and I know American flags usually denote gun owners, I'm going to go the one that doesn't have the American flag. That's right. If I know a house has a man who and what woman who are married, and there's a dad in the home and, and who could kick my butt, I'm going to go to the house with the divorcee. Right. Who, who right. has the Greenpeace flag outside, who I know doesn't own a gun, yeah. and will put up no resistance. You might as well put that sign. I, uh, burglars, please note, I have no gun whatsoever. In fact, you can even say rapists and crazy people. Right. We, have, we have a, no gun. It's a kick me, I'm a pussy sign That's on, right. on, on the back of So let's get thing. to the bigger picture again, because it's about shame to some extent. It's also about uh, respect. Um, and, and I think that the, not just the, not just the terrorists... Uh, perceive us a certain way, but even I perceive us in a certain way. I perceive us in the same way that I perceived my friend Ron. I've changed the name to protect the innocent. I'll call him Ron. But the way I perceived him, I didn't respect him. I, I, I wasn't the bully. I was never a bully. But I, I didn't, didn't respect him. We were never close friends because of that. Had he done so, I would have you know, really championed his cause, and he, he and I would have been tight as, tight as everything. But, but he didn't. And so I, I looked at him with, with some degree of contempt. And, you know, you don't want to have a friend that you, have, you hold in contempt, right? Not some degree. Complete yeah, contempt. Complete. Because contempt is contempt. Yeah. It's like hate. They'll, they'll be careful. They'll hate us more. No, they already hate you. Hate's, a, yeah. hate's already at the red line. That's contempt's right. already redlined. Yeah. This, this is something you, that, you see, we have a feminized culture and even if we didn't have a feminized culture, we have a culture that has a lot of women in it, and uh, women have a lot of voice, and, and they should. I'm not saying they shouldn't. But it also, but it's a different language. And when we're dealing with terrorism, we're dealing with the language of masculinity. Okay, women, putting the San Bernardino thing aside, they don't, they don't engage in this sort of thing. War is not a womanly thing. Right? Terrorism is not a womanly thing, by and large. You can, of course, show examples of a woman who threw, threw a hand grenade once. You can show a terrorist like this crazy woman in the Santa Bernardino attacks, of course. Yeah, there's always a Joan of Arc somewhere. Fine. Right. That's not but, what we're talking about. But by about. and large, by and large, it's about re- reacting and, and pushing down the enemy and showing them who's boss, okay? And not taking no crap from nobody. That's what works, okay? Th- this is a male. Uh, culture that we're dealing with. I'm not talking about the the, yeah. the, the, the the ISIS people. I'm talking about the, the the culture of beating bad guys, good and evil, and all that stuff. That is male language. Yeah, I would even go a step further because there are a lot of uh, I'm women hear me war, war girls who are hear me war girls who are kind of tough. It's not feminization. We're talking about eunuchization. We're talking about okay. emasculation. Yes, of that's maleness. true. Now, let, let me make this very clear. There are a lot of good women that uh, appreciate uh, men who are strong, men who, and when they see the ISIS situation, they say the same thing that you and I do is like, we need to cordon off these bastards and we need to send a lot of troops in there and strangle these mother effers and get them out, right? We, we know a lot of such women. We call them conservatives. Thank you and, very much. NFL football fans. Yes, that's right. Uh, what, what's the what Sarah Palin said about uh, the yeah. difference between hockey moms and uh, and pigs and pit bulls? Yeah, <laughs> and lipstick. Such a cute uh, joke. But that that is the essence. I mean, but but they understand by being conservative in this one area, they are talking about strength, and they understand that you have to put the masculine hat on this discussion. It's a masculine problem. It requires a masculine solution. Got it? Good. Because that's what it is. It's not about um, outstretching your arm to unclench a fist or whatever it is. That's BS. It's garbage. It doesn't work. Just like my friend, you know, Ron couldn't uh, hold out his hand and say, you know, hey, how about if we're, we be friends? That, the, the bully would laugh at him. In fact, he would probably just slap his face. Or just, just, just for the thrill of seeing his response. That's, That's right. what it's like. That's right. And this is what the, these radical monsters do. Okay, the, the radical Muslims, who and, and there are 99% of them are, are radical Muslims, uh, who desire to to you know stick our faces in the in the sand, in the proverbial sand, and, and make us eat the dirt. That's what they want. It's a humiliation process that's going on. And I'm feeling the humiliation. I, I, I'm embarrassed that my country cannot respond 
the way that it needs to respond. I want us to, to do the equivalent of throwing that, that fist into that jackass's uh, uh, chest and pushing him down to the ground. And then maybe, you know, landing a, quite a few punches into the face as well. Yeah. There was That's a, what I want. There's a great moment in that movie that uh, I think we both like, Ender's Game, yeah. where the, at the very beginning he handles a bully in similar ways. Yeah. And he says, the first punch was to stop the fight. The last punch was to make sure no fights ever happen again. Right. It's so simple. Yeah. And, and the, the idiots who tell us, well, that's simplistic thinking. Well, football is a simple game. Yeah. You take the ball, you run it across the line, you score points, do it again. Yeah. And when the other guy tries to push you around to get the ball over his line, you stop him. That's, that's right. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. That, and, and it's sad that that's what it is. In a perfect universe, it wouldn't be what it is. But being that it is, and, be, and, and this is the important part. This is the part they all miss. If you do that, if you win the football game, if you will, of, of this kind of conflicts, if you win wars so wars don't happen and you have a time of peace and prosperity, then all the feminine stuff, all the lovey-dovey stuff can happen. That's right. when we as men can go to work and work as a lawyer or a social media consultant and we don't have to take up arms to defend our society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you do it once and there are no wars, then you can have a society in which your daughters can play with Barbie dolls and your sons can study to be architects. Right. But if you fail, if you live the feminist mindset, our Democrat Party and those who want to reach out with an olive branch to the Muslim radical world want to do right now, then you guarantee our sons are going to have to be like Israeli boys and all take up arms. That's right. It, it, it only it only create the, the problem that you're seeking to avoid. Yes. That's, well that's, said. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. So uh, and some people call that irony, you know, and, and I call that irony as well. And, and I, as I w- have always said, that the Democratic Party is the party of irony. That's all it gives you. It doesn't give you anything else. It just gives you irony. You can just say inefficiency and incompetence and such like that. But, but from a true point of what it delivers, it's always irony. Everything it does is, is just pure irony. It, when, when it thinks it's going to raise, uh, raise revenues by raising taxes, surprise, surprise, it actually decreases the revenues. When it thinks it's going to increase em- employment uh, and uh, somehow better the working man's uh, position by increasing minimum wage, surprise, surprise, it, the guy actually loses his job in the process. Irony, I call it irony. Yeah, when they want to limit our greenhouse gas production here, they create more more pollution that affects the whole world in other countries. That's exactly surprise, right. Surprise, surprise, yeah. irony. Right. So back to shame. Um, uh, we will never change uh, until we change. Uh, it, it's, it's, we're going to get weaker and weaker as we continue to pursue the mantra of somehow trying to understand our enemies. And by the way, it's funny that you mentioned Ender's Game because I, I like so much what it was said in the beginning of that movie. That movie was a, a corruption of the original book. The original book, the author, uh, was uh, is quite a conservative. He, he's a good conservative thinker. And it was a very popular book, Ender's Game. The movie, they changed the story. The, the, they kept a lot of the, the story, of course, especially the bullying part that you just mentioned. And he said, you know, the, second, the, the next punches were to, were to make sure that it would never happen again. They seemed to understand the wisdom of that. But then the, the, the motif of the movie, and I think it was the last quote, is you can never uh, really, once you understand your enemy, he's no longer your enemy, or something like that. Or to, to, to understand your enemy is to love him. Yes, that's, that, that's the quote. That was horse, like that. horse bucky. Yes, that's exactly the words I was thinking. Horse bucky, I tell you. Um, yeah, to, to, that's what it was. To understand your enemy is to love him. And that's completely inconsistent with the whole book of Ender's Game and, and inconsistent with the, the, the beginning part of Ender's Game itself, which was, you know, no, you fight your enemy and you, you make your enemy respect you. Okay, there's, there's, there's some kids in my, in my um, son's football team, for example. There's, there's one kid in particular who's got some issues. Okay, and he, gets, he lashes out with anger and he starts to kind of not, not taunt my son, but um, he lashes out at my son. I mean, he's not trying to bully him. But I have to tell my son, you need to punch back. And he's done it, which is good. And it's, it's not happening anymore. But I don't, want, I don't need him to love this boy. 
uh, or understand this boy. I, no, I don't give a crap. That's like saying, you know, well, let's understand why this, this car is coming at me at 65 miles an hour. It's because I understand he has an alcoholic problem, you understand. And that alcoholism was because he's a depressed guy and he had so many generations of alcoholics before him and he just can't help himself. You know, this is the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm understanding him as his car is careening right at me at 65 miles an hour. Okay? I don't, I don't need to understand him. I need to get out of the way. And if, and if he's at a party and he's drunk and he's doing these things and he's being nasty to my wife, I'm going to punch him. I'm not going to uh, try to understand this man. It, what, what, what idiocy this is. Right. No, no liberal at a party would do this. I mean, unless you're a professor and you think you can actually, you, you actually believe this crap. But somebody who's actually living in the real world will say, don't touch my wife. You don't get to do that. I mean, you've had that situation. I've, I've had a situation where, you know, a drunk, he was actually a friend of mine. He became no longer a friend after the fact. But he was drunk at my party, at a bunch of people, and he was hitting on my girl, uh, a girlfriend at the time, uh, in a very salacious, ugly way. And I had to tell him, you know, you need to back off. I'm not trying to understand him. I said, you're not going to do that ever again. So, and and you make such a powerful point. And any good therapist, psychotherapist, would tell you in any situation you can't change other people. You can only change yourself and make decisions for yourself. So, if you're in a relationship with someone who's abusive, mm -hmm. um, break up with them. You know, get away. That's right. If your uh, child is behaving a certain way, you can't change them, you can change the stimuli you're giving them. So it, it, it's the old idea that there are no bad dogs or bad people, they're just bad owners or bad parents, right? You, right? right. If it, you have to ask yourself, well, they're the kid, what am I doing that's causing them to react that way? Oh, and, and when you start looking at yourself, you can get a clear answer. It's the same with the Islamic enemy, or forget Islam, any enemy Amir's face. Did we ask the Nazis, won't you just change? Right. No, we changed ourselves. We went from trying to coexist with them to bombing them to hell in Dresden. Right. We didn't with, with the Japanese, we didn't try to change them. We said, "We're going to do this thing to Hiroshima, right. and then we're going to do this to Nagasaki, and Tokyo's next." Right. Okay. Okay. So, but we, so, but we changed yeah. the decision ourselves, which was the will to do what was needed to win. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we didn't try to understand them in the same. And for example, if it, if the Nazis were to arise today, we would somebody would say Thomas Friedman would say, well, the reason why they are who they are is because of economic circumstances. Don't and you global know? warming. And yeah, global warming yeah. too. But economic circumstances, I've heard that many times, where they say, well, look, you know, we only have our same selves to blame. We're the ones who put such pressure on these people. Look, that's an explanation. But that's not an excuse, and it's it's not not a proper one, and we're not going to look within for that. We're going to beat you, mother effers, and that's not a proper response. You cannot slaughter millions of people this way, and it doesn't give you uh, authority to engage in a thugocracy. That's that's the bottom line, right? Now, as we wrap this up, I want to I want everyone to look at the past seven years of Obama and otherwise. Uh, as to how we've dealt with the bullies. And ask yourself at the end of the seven years whether or not the world perceives us as a stronger country, that they respect us more, or, that, or whether they hold us in more contempt, or whether we've kind of made ourselves even more weak in the process. Okay, first things first, more weak in the process, we've, we've reduced the entire military apparatus that we have dramatically. Okay, now, you can say, well, we're, you know, we're just being more efficient. I've heard this argument before that this is a new wave of the future. With technology today, we don't need this much military. Uh, BS. Okay, we, we need our assets on the ground everywhere in the world, and that means men, okay, and Navy ships and guns. Okay, they need to be pointing there. That's what the enemy understands. They don't understand the Internet in the way that we do, okay, or the, the, the way we think about somehow disabling their, their forces. Yes, we should be smart about it. Yes, we should use technology in all fronts. Um, but at the end of the day, you always need men on the ground in order to effectuate what you need to do. One day we'll have robots on the ground to do all the mopping up. But until that great day, uh, we're going to need men. All right. Uh, we don't have that. Then, of course, you start off with Obama's uh, whole mantra of trying to understand the enemy, apologizing to all of our 
uh, Arab nation countries that uh, are, are allies or, and otherwise, and talks about how we've been arrogant and such like that. Okay, big mistake, right? They only, they, they, they internalize that. They, they hear this and they say, ah, the great Satan recognizes now that it's the great Satan. And now more, we're going to make more and more demands upon this. This is our time. This is our sucker. That's what they, that's what they think. And we can put aside the whole argument of, for now whether or not Obama actually wants this to happen. You know, we, we, we've had many... Those were past episodes. Past episodes. We'll have some future ones on that, I'm sure. Right. But, but just take it from the standpoint of just pure leadership or the lack thereof. You would say things have not been going very well. Okay? You would say that uh, we're, we're, we're lacking in the world's respect toward us. Okay? In fact, you would say in every single... Center, and every single part of the world, you just name it, whether it's France or Israel or Russia or Egypt, uh, just Ukraine for that matter, it just, just name a country, name a region in the world, and you will say that things are not better. Our relationship vis-a-vis those particular countries is nowhere better. Okay? The only place where it might be better is Iran, a, a place where we don't want it to be better. Where, in fact, when I say better, it means... For the leaders. Yeah, for the leaders of Iran, not for us. So, in in other words, we've screwed up every single relationship possible, including England, now that I think about it. Um, Even Kim Jong-un is having a a dilly-dally of time. Yeah, we have not strengthened strengthened our position against any country, or, for that matter, uh, whether it's an enemy or an ally. Okay, we've not done anything. So, and you have to ask why. And, and then we've done this with the, the Iranian deal, of course, the way we've handled the, the, the Russians and Putin in particular with the, the reset, which is just a mockery. I mean, that's the equivalent of reaching out your hand and everything else and thinking, hey, can we just be friends? Okay, going back to the bully uh, with, uh, you know, my friend Ron and the Somalian kid who happens to be Somali. I mean, it's, it's not, it's just pure coincidence. But, but if, that, if Ron had said, let's just be friends, and then expected that the Somali guy would say, you know what, I've been not really fair to you. Let's, let, let's work it out. You know, but what's, the, what's to work out? It's not going to be a workout situation. It's going to be just him holding you in contempt and you having to constantly uh, give him goodies in, in this vain attempt to, to somehow placate him, which will never placate him. He'll only see it as a sign of weakness and pursue you even further. It's a tragic a spiral of evil. And bullying, that's the way it is. But we don't seem to be learning this lesson. And uh, Obama doesn't know this lesson, or maybe he, he knows that this lesson doesn't work. But that's another story altogether, like I said. We will forever be in this spiral of uh, weakening ourselves every time we try to think that we can somehow make things better with bullies. It doesn't work. It never has worked. And it never will work. This is the language of masculinity. This is the language of evil versus good. And if you, if you understand that, and you understand that the solution requires a masculine response, then we might get somewhere. And what that means is that you land a punch really hard against the bully. All right, this is Brock Lurie. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Why can't I say what they want why can't they just say what they need come clean listen and talk Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case involving a $220,000 promissory note and you won a trial, but later discovered that the defendant had transferred all his assets. Dennis, when judgment debtors don't want to pay, they may shift assets over to their relatives, asking them to hold them till the coast is clear. How did you get the payment? The defendant had transferred title to two commercial buildings. We convinced them to admit it was an illegal transfer. That led to a great settlement with guarantees from relatives with penalties. And don't you know, they're making payments every month on time like clockwork. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM 870, The Answer.
Hi, this is Brooke Lurie, and we're back. Uh, thanks so much for tuning back in. Uh, all right, we're with uh, Ari Dave, my producer, and we were talking about all sorts of, well, I guess we should say shameful approaches that are going on in the uh, Obama administration and, and otherwise, particularly with the way we deal with Middle Eastern countries, how we genuflect uh, as to everything that they uh, might throw at us, how we let them bully us, and then we're surprised, surprised that they want to keep on bullying us and how they make more and more demands out of this. And when I say they, I mean the proverbial they. I mean the enemies of America, whoever they may be, uh, whether that's Russia, whether that might be China, whether that might be uh, Saudi Arabia or Iran. Uh, and yes, you can laugh at me if you want to say that Saudi Arabia is not our enemy, but you know what? In a sense, they are. Can okay? I say there's, a cultural, there's a cultural difference, and they, we, they wouldn't mind America not being around um, they just need us for the time being. Yeah. Could I also say the Democrat Party? Is <laughs> okay, going right. too far. That's I mean, it's Christmas. Far. I think you'd right. let me have it. That's right. I, yeah. <laughs> it's only you. because it's Christmas. <sighs> I can't work under these conditions. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but, but you get the idea that this is like, it's about bullying. And it's shameful conduct. And it's shame that I want to speak of now. It's a... It, because it's not just in the administration. There is this also shame that is pervasive in our own culture in so many of the things that we do, meaning that there is really no shame anymore. What do I mean by this? I mean that the notion that you uh, they get food stamps, for example, by way of a, uh, a, something that looks like a credit card. They're taking away the shame associated with food stamps, right? So you have an entitlement to, to shame. Uh, to a shameful goodie, in this case, food stamps. There's no shame in that. Yeah, divorces, abortion. Well, we'll, we'll get there. Oh. We'll get there. Yeah, I'm going to go through the list. Um, and I'm going to write down a list so I don't duplicate as I speak. But yes, um, the, the next thing I want to talk about is actually affirmative action. I think that's a shameful program. I'd be embarrassed if I had to tell people, you know what? I was admitted on affirmative action. You only are here because you're Jewish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if only if only we had affirmative action for Jews, boy, boy, did we come? To, what is that? Thir- three decades too early on that one, right? Anyway, the point is that I, I, you know I, you don't have to be a minority to say I, I think that's a little bit embarrassing. It's it's shameful. You should be not proud of the fact that you got in on lower standards. That is not something to be proud of. Now, somebody will say, because uh, we, we get this all the time, somebody will send an email saying, that's, that's not appropriate, you don't understand uh, the, the, the hard history of uh, the black experience, or for that matter, um, the, the Mexican experience, or whatever. But wait a minute. Uh, listen, I do understand. I'm, I'm Jewish, and my forefathers, they, they suffered quite a bit, thank you very much. And we didn't ask for handouts. We didn't expect it. It didn't even enter our mind. It would be a shameful thing if we were to expect favoritism merely because of us being Jewish. And not only that, we have extra pride knowing our, our members of our people survived and thrived despite all the hardship and oppression. Right. That's it's, exactly a right. Se- it's a sense of pride for us. Right. To some extent, there was, um, there was uh, uh, racism or discrimination, if you want, against Asians. But now look. You know, I mean, there's, there's no real affirmative action being applied anymore for Asians, nor should it be. I, I, I think they understood it's a shameful thing. And uh, for whatever reason, culturally or not, they have abandoned the whole affirmative action concept. Many uh, Koreans, by the way, they've done very well, especially in Los Angeles, but throughout the United States. Um, they communicate to each other and they say, look, do not ever go into welfare. Welfare is something that will destroy you. It is a shameful thing. It's a spiral. They, they, they speak about it economically, how it will hurt you. But at the same time, it's frankly shameful. It's a shame spiral. That's a That's very right. interesting concept. Right. Welfare is the next thing to talk about. Uh, welfare, to me, is the ultimate shameful experience. Look, you may be so down in your luck at one point. You don't have any relatives who can help you. you you've been drugged out or whatever it is. I understand that. Uh, but the idea is... You take a little bit of the dole and then as quickly as you can get off the dole. It's just so unhealthy for, for your soul, for your reputation, and it's certainly nothing that you want to kind of be proud of. And yet people, there's so much of this going on that people, you know, think to themselves, there's nothing wrong with this. 
and, and I'm going to get to at the end of all these this list of things where people where shame doesn't, doesn't seem to apply anymore. We're going to ask the question why, and I have the answer. I believe I have the answer. The next thing that's somewhat obvious is porn, right? Um, in the old days uh, of the... Uh, I porn. told you, not this. Not yoga pants, <laughs> not this. Well, we're going to go there, my friends. <laughs> All right. Thank you for reminding me about yoga pants. All right. Anyway. Uh, so, look. Uh, porn in particular. The, in the old days, if you were... Uh, I'm talking about the 60s when, when porn was starting to become something. You know, you would be embarrassed about it. Um, you would... I mean, it, it, you know, I think I just saw a rerun of uh, Forrest Gump. And there was uh, there's a scene there where the character Jenny, um, she's found out to have a, you know shown not even a nude picture but just a suggestive picture in in a Playboy type magazine, and she's kicked out of the school, okay, because of the, her shameful conduct. And nowadays, no no biggie. On the contrary, you were to be lauded. It's impress it's impressive. You you were able to get. Uh, men and maybe some women to pay attention to your body. You'll get speaking fees. At most yes, exactly right. It's, it's all about empowerment of your body, which I just can't understand this yeah, at whatever all. Whatever that is. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it's such a mis- mixed message. It's crazy to me. <laughs> right. But that's another story. We can talk about that all day long. <laughs> but, but you, you know, uh, they, they have uh, porn is not a problem at all. On the contrary, they're proud of this. They, they have porn awards and they... And, and and these women uh, are just really gunning, hoping that they'll win the first prize for you know best kind of threesome uh, video, and and they have their parents over, and they they t- I mean it's it's bizarre, okay, um, and there's no sense of shame whatsoever, none, and and they tell themselves and they tell each other, um, this is a, a legitimate vocation just like anything else. I'm meeting a demand, um, and just like that woman. Um, who uh, was at Duke University. I yes. forget her name already. Yeah. Putting herself through school with it. Yeah, she, she puts her... And she went on CNN, and she w- did all sorts of other interviews, and she talked very righteously about how people um, despise me, and yet they consume me. Consume me meaning that they actually enjoy the, her, her porn videos. Uh, and aren't they the hypocrites? And, you know, the audience is to be believed to, to be nodding their heads, you know, in, in quiet secret shame of themselves for this hypocritical behavior of theirs. You understand. It, it's, it's, but there's no shame anymore in the act of sex that you can do almost anything and, and be okay with it. Uh, for example, um, even something as uh, what seems trite or uh, trifle as uh, Janet Jackson in the Super Bowl, you recall about that war, wardrobe malfunction where her breasts, you know, uh, magically somehow magically appeared, appeared yeah. as if somehow that was uh, a mistake. Um, and it was obviously timed and done for purpose. You know, but you're showing, you know, Janet Jackson had no shame about this. She kind of somehow threw it back in the, into the face of the media for them being embarrassed about seeing her natural body. You know, but, but you yourself, Janet, if you have a daughter, you would never expect her to, to parade her on naked, Right. So, so why is it okay for you to do it, but not for her to do it, right? Where, where, where is it? You wouldn't be proud of, of your daughter doing this, just showing her breasts off like this. Anyway, it's, just, it's too obvious, and there's no shame going on in the process. The other, the other thing, and you alluded to it a little, little bit before, is uh, yoga pants. Now, it's, I, I call it a yoga pants culture. Um, and it's not just yoga pants, by the way, but let's, we'll start off by yoga pants. Here we are with these really tight kind of pants some of which are tighter than others, right? And they're so crevicy, meaning that you can see every little nook and cranny. It's great. <laughs> yeah, Ari, Ari seems to like it. I Look, I, I like to look at a nice uh, woman's body just like any other guy. But here's, here's the problem. Not as much as me, right. apparently. <laughs> oh, no, I like it very much. That's my, that's my problem, is that I like it too much. Okay, because first of all, it's it's not as if every woman wearing yoga pants is is something something you want to look at, right? Merely wearing yoga pants doesn't make you attractive, right? If you don't have the body for it, it's going to be very unappealing. Okay, you don't want to look at it. Okay, so that that's that's obvious, right? Yeah. So I don't want to see that. Okay, and I think even you, my salacious friend, yeah, would yeah, agree. Okay. okay. Now, where we disagree is where we see a woman with a very beautiful body. 
who also wears yoga pants and extremely tight yoga pants at that. And uh, you, you like it because, you know, it provides some titillation for you, okay? Or well, maybe you should use a different word well, for that. Titillation just reminds <laughs> me about why I'm alive. <laughs> okay. Buses drive down the street all the time I can jump in front of if that wasn't in my life. Yeah. That's <laughs> all right. So, all right, the problem with your, the problem with it is that life is full of distractions, right? And, you know, I equate it to the same thing as, you know, when you go on the internet, right, you check out a website and they, they, they say, click here if you want to learn more about reducing your homeowner mortgage, let's say. Right? You click on it. And the next thing you know, uh, you know, pop-up ad, another pop-up ad. Answer this survey. You know, would you like to learn more about mountain bikes? Would you, I mean, you're just, you're constantly like, can I just read the friggin' article that I wanted to read, right? Okay, that's the way it is with the yoga pants. Okay, you just want to go about your life. You say, hey, uh, Charlie, you want to uh, get some coffee? <laughs> and you say, yeah, sure. And you go down and you, you, you expect, you imagine yourself going through the, the, the elevator, the, down the, the door banks, and you, the, the double doors of the building, and you cross the street, and you get the, the cafe <laughs> la, cafe lay, and, and you talk about stuff, and maybe you talk about the chargers, and talk about business. But no, you don't expect to see these, you know, this, this woman's derriere, you know, suddenly thrust at your face. And, you know, you're suddenly checking that, and you're like, your, your emotions are all over the place. It appeals to the prurient interest of every guy, and you're suddenly totally distracted. We, we, it, it's very, uh, if it, it, dis, it disables us in a way. Now, if you're a woman, uh, as, as many women have said to me before, well, you men need to learn how to control yourselves. Okay, yeah, okay, of course. But we are controlling ourselves, and we're not jumping on you. We're not forcing ourselves upon you. But don't tell me that I, 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 I look at this beautiful derriere and not think to myself, wow, that is hot. Of course I'm going to think that. And that's exactly why you do it, by the way. Don't tell me you do it because it's somehow more comfortable. That's garbage. Um, so I, I'm, I, I just I don't, I don't buy it for a moment. You do it specifically to get the attention, and then you claim to be offended when you do get the attention. You can't have it both ways. But my, more to my point, the guys are get very distracted, and I think the women get distracted. Everyone gets distracted, and I, I you know, it's tough enough in this is uh, what do you call it attention deficit society that we live in, where they, everyone's trying to get your attention one way or the other. You know, they, they want to get your money, they want to get your time commitments. Your, you know, your emails are popping up all over the place, and if not emails, then it's texts. You're, you're, you just can't escape it, and. I just yoga pants is just the next thing, and it's and it's a very strong distraction. It's just not healthy for so us. So your point is, if we lived in a society where people respected the limits of shame, like in yesteryear, some of this would be eliminated to where something like yoga pants would exist within the confines of an appropriate segment of yeah. life, rather than everywhere in life. Exactly. Because you're not the, the other side would accuse you based on your previous statements of some sort of prudishness and you're not going there at all you're simply asking for appropriateness and decorum that's all rather than that's all I'm asking I mean we, 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 I mean a woman can and she's allowed you know it is America after all she's allowed to walk around in lingerie oh right? yeah right and she just wears some appropriate shoes and, and walk around in lingerie why not does he even need the shoes? It's, it's even better for him. Yeah, I, I think I gave Ari an idea all of a sudden. You know, feeling he's calling up his wife. Hey, uh, sweetie. Uh, listen, I, Brock gave me a great idea. Anyway, uh, but, but it's not appropriate. It would be stupid, right? But, but is it really? I mean, it, look, I think yoga pants, especially the way that some women wear yoga pants, is really something for the bedroom, frankly. But look, it doesn't have to be only for the bedroom. No, you, you obviously can wear it for yoga itself. You can wear it to certain uh, certain events, more adult-oriented things. But understand that you're, you're appealing to the prurient interest of men. And there's, I think there's a reason why we expected decorum uh, among, among women and men, for that matter. And that's because we don't want to distract. There's a sense of, look, we've got a mission in life. We, we've got to work. We've got to make, put money on the ta- uh, food on the table and otherwise. And all these distractions are not healthy. Okay? And we also want to preserve the sanctity of marriage, for example. And all this, you know, I, I think a wife would not like very much to know that I am constantly being assaulted by, uh, you know, visually assaulted by women, you know, who are, have very sexy bodies. Uh, you know, any woman would tell you that. And they would resent those women for doing so. 
But it's a strange time we live in, and there's no shame on this. They're, they're sh- literally showing their bodies. So the only, it's you know that there's almost they might as well walk around naked. And I would be ashamed if I were walking around like some of the women that I see walking around. Yeah, and you're talking in the shame element as an analogy that I think is appropriate to bring up that takes it out of the realm of the sexual. Because it's so easy for non-conservatives to jump on conservatives when we talk about the sexual. Just think about someone driving down the street. Mm -hmm. It's a quiet street. And they're blasting rap music through, as they say in the urban vernacular, woofing it up through the subwoofers. Right. Just broadcasting this loud music that not everyone wants to hear at the moment. And you're trying to have a conversation. And now you're paying attention to their... You know, rapper, LL Cool, whoever. Right. Yeah, it's it's just an issue of appropriateness. Yeah, mm-hmm. LL Cool, whatever is perfectly fine in the context of loud music events, right? Nightclubs, concerts, loud streets, the freeway, but not a nice, quiet street where families are trying to walk the dog and play with the kids. That's right. And uh, you're equating yoga pants to that. The same way, the guy <coughs> woofing it up feels no shame that he's broadcasting and blasting people's eardrums apart on quiet streets. You're right. He's affecting other people. Right. So it's a broader issue you're bringing mm-hmm. up of, of the cultural lack of shame in all areas of life That's rather right. than just one area of life. Right. Here's, here's, here's another kind of uh, taking off from the yoga pants part of it. Um, even men and women, the way they walk into churches these days, they wear beat-up old T-shirts. Or bathrobes and jammies. Bathrobes and jammies. Fuzzy bunny slippers. Yeah, torn-up jeans. Um, their hair is not combed. Um, they, they just don't keep themselves up to par. Okay, and, and, and that's, you know, they're entitled to it. Again, it's a free country. But they just don't bother anymore. Yeah, and, they, and this is something they do it on airplanes and at ballparks. And back in the day, you'd watch uh, highlights of a baseball game. Everyone is dressed to the nines. To the nines. On a hot day. That's right. You go in uh, old photos of airplanes, people dressed to, in suits to go on an airplane. Yeah. Now, we're arguing for sort of a middle ground here. Right. But don't wear your bathrobe and buddy slippers to a plane, even if you're going to sleep on it. Right. There, there was a time, um, I think about 10 years ago, I'm, and now, now I'm recalling, that there was a woman that came into an airplane, and also a man, who is even more offensive when the man did it, because he, he wore these really tight shorts. It was a man. And you could see... Smuggling, smuggling grapes. Yeah, apparently. Say. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, you could see uh, crevices Everything. that nobody wants to see. <laughs> right. You know, I don't care how good looking he is, or, right? So, and, uh, but, you know, it was his God-given right, don't you know, to dress up the way he wants to. And, and they, they kicked him off the plane. And I think, you know, the question is, well, why, why should you kick him? You know, given today's standards. Because he wasn't praying towards Mecca. They would have let him on the plane <laughs> oh, yeah, if he just prayed towards Mecca. All right, let's not get distracted here. <laughs> As it were. Um, but I think part of the reason why is that he was not appealing at all. He was not attractive whatsoever. And everyone was disgusted by him. But So is the, sta- <laughs> is the standard, right? Is the standard, you know, whether or not you're, you're, you're pretty, right? Whether you're attractive, right? Is, is, I hope so. Okay? It's a nice starting point. Right. Okay, but... but I'm willing but, to but, bend the rules for that yeah. slightly. Okay, but let's say it's a, it's a somewhat hot day, and you have a woman in a, in a bikini G-string coming onto the plane. She otherwise has her high heels, and, and she's got a purse. And the problem is... And she has nice sunglasses, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's obviously wrong. Okay, you just... You, you say, ma'am, this is not appropriate attire for uh, an airplane. And she'll say, why not? Mm-hmm. And you'll say, because, you know, you're, you're just... Drawing too much attention to yourself. Um, she can sit next to me. All right. I don't know how helpful R.A. Right, David is being as, as my producer today. Uh, all right. Uh, so, so, but it's also the shirts uh, and the, the, the fact that a lot of men don't shave. There's a lot of tattooing these days. You know, there's, you know, people people walk around and and they're just all messed up and they just say they'll say, oh, I'm sorry, I just got out of bed. And but it's as if we all are are in one big breakfast nook. You know, everyone, everyone could be whoever they want to be. You like this? Oh, he wants me to title That's that. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's got to be the name of your book. Hi, Charlie. How you doing? You sleep well? Uh, okay. All right. Where's the coffee here? That's right. You're going to shave sometime today? Maybe. You're going to shave you know, sometime this week, this right. month, this year? You know, go brush your teeth. You know, that, that sort of thing. It's, it, it's, it, there's just no shame. 
breakfast in the culture, I guess. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, and, and it goes beyond that. So, and there are other areas that we wanted to talk about in terms of the shame. Um, the education, the, the, um, the, the fact that lying is okay. And this is in the bigger picture, right? You see this a lot with, you know, President Clinton, Bill Clinton, that is, and now his wife seems to have learned uh, very much from his lessons as well. Lying is something that um, it's it's you know part of the course. If you if you can't catch her or him, then uh, so much the better for him or her, right? Yeah, the standard thing to our media has now been. As long as they lie well, no right. harm, no foul. That's right. It's just the bad lying we don't like. Right. It's the it's the winking, you know, sort of aspect to it that that's okay. You know, you you get away with it so long as you wink well, and uh, and then no one's no one's been. Dis- you know, Bill Clinton was disbarred as an attorney. People don't realize that, and and he has no shame of it. On the contrary, he goes out and still gets his 500,000 speaking fees. You don't hear him say a, a single thing about, it. you know what? I did something wrong. I really, I, you know, I'm I'm hope to regain your trust. He never said that. No, it's basically I, I know it's disbarred, but no, I wasn't disbarred. I just sold it for the speaking fee right here. <laughs> That's I put exactly up right. for auction. I got that as bid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Richard Nixon, you know, he he apologized for what he did. He, on the Davis Frost interviews, he said, you know, you don't understand, you know, he, he gave a background uh, explanation for it, but he also acknowledged that what he had done was wrong. He acknowledged his shame by resigning. Yeah. To me. That's right. Debt paid. Yeah, In debt paid. full, Good plus point. interest. Good point. And he was pardoned uh, by his uh, subsequent president, uh, Gerald Ford. So, and, and, and even uh, Ronald Reagan went the Iran-Contra. Uh, actually, it was arms for hostages, I suppose. It was, that was no, the issue. Contra. It was Iran-Contra. So he said, look, I didn't know, but the buck stops with me, and I am responsible. And, and that's about accepting responsibility. But we have a culture that doesn't accept responsibility anymore. Everything, uh, he, you know, you could be drunk all the time, and then it's a disease, you see. It's not your choices that led you to that. It's a disease that afflicts you and that you can't help yourself. Yes. Okay? If, if only I could blame my, uh, my love of food, right? I, uh, I, I, I had these midnight cravings, right? I, 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 I by no means am a fat person, but, I, you know, I could, I could lose about a good 10 to 20 pounds. So the fried chicken dipped in ice cream at 1 in the morning yeah, is wrecking your yeah. metabolism. Is it your fault? It's your That's victim. Right. You're a victim. You're a victim. The chicken just attacked you, <laughs> and it put ice cream all over itself. And But it's it's this um, third-partying, or shall I say, uh, uh, how, what's the word? Uh, you know, you're deflecting, deflecting yeah. the responsibility to to something or someone else. That's the reason why I am who I am today, or why I did the, the why I lashed out or otherwise. People don't apologize anymore either. There's no shame anymore. People just do this, and uh, and it's okay. The whole the whole gay marriage business. You know, now it's about gay. You know, the, the, even with the gay, the old days, when somebody said that they were gay. It, there was a lot of shame to it. I'm not saying that that's a good thing one way or the other. I'm just simply saying people were very, very embarrassed about admitting that they were gay. Okay? Now, huh, it's, you know, he's gay just like, you know, you have uh, dark hair and I have slightly lighter hair. I, okay. <laughs> well, he's gay and that guy's heterosexual. And we're both on our way to gray. That's right. <laughs> I'll see you in white hair land in about... 30 years. Exactly. That's... <laughs> and, you know, it's so funny. I have two gay friends who are very cool people. One is on the verge of being conservative, but they're both very... You, you'd you like them. They're right. straight-up guys. Right? Well, wrong choice of words, but straight-up guys in right. the honest sense, right? They both say, I can't stand what the homosexual uh, rights movement has done to gayness because there's nothing edgy about it. I got into this wanting to be on the edge. Right. I yeah. thought I was so cool. Yeah. What do I have to do now? Right. It's, it's like when, <laughs> when rap goes commercial, right? Right. So, yeah, I, I know. It's, uh, it's And a, they say that authentically because, you know, they yeah, were, yeah. 20 years ago, they were the, you know, it was wrong to do it and they knew it and that's sort of something that gave them joy even though they knew it was sort of wrong, you know? Well, but for those that are, are truly just, you know, they're not looking to be bad boys, so to speak, they or to they just simply that is their essence, you know that they were cautious about how they said it and they were kind of not underground necessarily, although of course some many of them were underground, uh, but they nevertheless you know kind of kept it in place. Now it's in your face. Now it's this, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying that they should feel ashamed. I'm simply saying it's also another example of how shame has just totally left yet another area. 
Okay. Yeah, shame actually made some of yeah. those things fun and exciting. Yep. That, that was one of the reasons they they neither of them are from LA. That's the reason they moved to LA and lived in West Hollywood, Silver Lake, all that stuff. Right. Now it's not only okay to be gay, totally okay. You can do it in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. I I, I think that that's a really good point. And anywhere in the world you can be gay. Now now put that aside. Then you have the whole notion of, I mean, it's kind of related to this a little bit, so please don't equate it fully, but porn. Uh, going back to porn, you know, people can, can put up a video of uh, a porn of, of, of a woman and her husband or anybody, and they'll be thrilled to put it up there. And if people notice them, so much the better. You know, that they, and they, 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 they actually compete with each other about it. They're not even thinking for a moment that this is shameful. The entire Kardashian industry was built on that. Yes, good point. If you good know point. how far they go back. And goes. Paris Hilton and otherwise, yeah. Uh, well, luckily Paris Hilton, to her credit, was sort of famous before that. But Kardashian, the only reason she's famous is that sex tape she put up yeah. herself. Okay, so <clears throat> the, here's another area, uh, and that's cheating. And that's similar to the lying thing, of course, right? But cheating is certainly another aspect of it. If you are caught cheating, well, that would be a shameful thing. It should be a shameful thing. But too often times, um, you know, cheating is now so pervasive that as long as you get away with it, you might even, after the fact, you might even say, you know, I was able to kind of um, bring in cheat sheets, as it were, into my, my test, and I'm, I succeeded in this great, and here I've got my A's. And, and that's, by the way, it's a very European thing. They, they love cheating. It's, it's, I remember at Stanford, uh, during the summer sessions that I had, we had a whole bunch of international students, and they cheated like nobody's business. It was unbelievable. And at Stanford, we had an honor code. <laughs> Can you imagine this? Like, like, I mean, you know, you, you think, like, oh, the honor code contemplates you see, you know, you, you imagine in your mind's eye, you see one guy cheating. Mm-hmm. You nod your head. I got to report this. That's the honor code. Yeah, I'm and hearing the graduation <laughs> music in my head. Goodbye, Mr. Right, right. Chips. The yeah. whole bit. But, but in reality, you see, everyone is cheating around you. Like, what do you do? You're the only one that's not cheating. And um, anyway, so there was this huge scandal that broke out during that summer that I was there. I, I, I reported a lot of this cheating. And the lash, the backlash that I got... Yeah, and it's incredible because and everyone who gave me the backlash had a very strong accent, you know. That, that I can guarantee you, and and it was like impossible to explain to them what honor is. I mean, they didn't know what honor was. They only understand honor when it comes to to grudges and honor killing. Yeah, that totally. Clear. Well, they have no sense of honor. Yeah, and and part of the reason why they have no sense of honor, and this is where we're going to get to, the reason why. But first of all, in in Europe. Um, Europe, honor, the, uh, the notion of honor it just doesn't exist. Why should it exist? Here's a culture that tries to say that everyone's equal. No one should be better than the other. So what's, what's the big deal? I mean, unless you're talking about trying to compete for the Olympics. But, but even then, it doesn't seem to matter. So, so what? So you, you are a banker that makes slightly more money than somebody else? Where's the honor in that? There's nothing. There's, there's no great achievement. You know, the, the, the greats that we have in America, the, whether it's the former Rockefeller or otherwise, um, you know, it's, it's just not the same thing. Not. You know, they, they, they don't have these greats in Europe. Uh, they have a couple of them, yes, but not, not in the same way that is here. There are so many great, wealthy people here, just in Brentwood and, and Bel Air and Beverly Hills alone. Yeah, there they only have title. Yeah, that's right. Title doesn't exist here, so you have to achieve. There's, there's no honor because they're so used to a culture where everyone's equal, and it doesn't matter what you do. So the porn star is just as valuable, or just as invaluable, or, or you know, meaningless as, as, as the professor, as, the, as the lawyer, as the doctor, and so on. It, it just means nothing. This, the career you chose is, is just the career, the path you chose, and that's that. And none is better than the other. And, and they even. Even, you know, in, you go to Sweden, for example, and, and Scandinavia and a lot of European countries, sex, no big deal. They, you know, when we, think, when we Americans think about sex, we think about like, oh, wow, you know, I really like Sally and I really hope she goes to bed with me. You know, and you really kind of like hope that you try to impress her, you try to, and Sally, you know, her job is to push you back. Maybe she's not interested in you, maybe she is. You know, a little bit of games, you know, no one, no one likes games, but there's a little bit of that. But in Sweden... It's like, you, you want to go to bed? Sure. You might as well ask if you want to get a cup of coffee. Uh, really, it's, it's that. Yes. And that, to a lot of listeners, that seems very appetizing. 
And I don't blame you for, for feeling don't appetized about it. Don't look at me. It. I don't. <laughs> I just like yoga pants. <laughs> I see. But over there, sex is just something that's a little bit more involved than asking for, for coffee. So, you know, you, you slap on a condom, you're good to go. Okay, that's it. You know, what, what, what's the problem? Well, they ruined sex with the condoms, number one. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they try to avoid diseases, and that's about all they do. That, that's the only thing that's stopping them, is disease. It's not even pregnancy. Just disease. Thank you very much. There's no honor, and there's no shame. Either way, they're both flip sides of the same coin, right? Now, here's the reason why I think it's happening. We are increasingly a society that is eviscerating distinctions. And the distinctions that we've talked about before, men and women, adult and child, teacher, parent, a teacher, student, parent, child, and so on. All these things, you know, right and wrong, all these things are just going by the wayside. Everything is relative. And so distinctions don't matter. So if distinctions don't matter, then it doesn't matter whether you want, for example, you insist to go to the, to the ladies' bathroom when you're a man or vice versa. And there's no shame in it. And they even tell you, don't shame this person. You know, you, you acted, you know, um, you act in a horrible way. And, and then people say, well, don't shame him. Yeah. Well, Slut shaming, black shaming, white yeah. shaming, terrorist shaming. Yeah. And killing shaming. Right. <coughs> and and the, the reality, you know, I, I would be ashamed if my whole, you know, I, I, my people, people that are like me, um, you know, all have uh, criminal records. I would, I would not, I would be ashamed. But they don't want you to bring that up, okay? And, and because bringing it up might, it might beg the question, why is it happening? And it's not racial. It's not religious. It's not anything. It might be cultural. You know, maybe there's an answer to this. But people don't want to see distinctions because distinctions force you to think, force you to work hard. And that's the essence of the American mindset. We must work hard in order to achieve great things. And people don't like that. So... No distinctions, thank you very much. And in the process, we don't need any shame either. Thank you very much. This is a, a very important podcast. I hope you share this with as many people as possible because the, the, the shamelessness that's going on, think about everything that you're seeing around you and ask yourself, wow, here's yet another example of how it just doesn't matter to so many people. And I fear for the country, but I, I also know that at some point, the only way we're going to get back out of the rut that we're in is to understand the distinctions and maybe bring back a sense of honor and a sense of shame. This is Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you real soon. Let's do it.